listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. We are back. Today we're talking AFC South, who we're targeting, who we're avoiding for fantasy. I'm Faraz Sadiqi. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. We're going to go over the Texans, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Titans. Some uh, pretty interesting players here, some good values to take advantage of, I think, in this division. Um, this is the last division that we're covering. Our, our last seven episodes have been all about the other divisions. So we basically covered every single fantasy relevant player over these eight episodes. So make sure to tune into all those if you haven't listened to them already. Uh, there's not a whole lot of news to cover besides some no. more like Antonio Gibson hype, um, you know, from their head coach, which is warranted. And we don't need to talk about that every episode. We've already been talking about it and we agree that Antonio Gibson will be a value this year and you should be targeting him. Um, yeah. but we will be going over some OTA updates, uh, you know, who's been hyped throughout OTAs next week, uh, mandatory mini camp for a lot of teams are happening this week. So we'll go over, you know, anything coming out of there from all 32 NFL teams next week on this podcast. So make sure to tune in for that. That's going to be pretty juicy. Um, before we get started, if you could subscribe or follow this podcast on Apple podcasts or Spotify, uh, or whatever platform you use, it only takes a second. And it really helps us more than you know. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, what did I say? What did I close out the podcast with yesterday? Um, highly appreciated. Highly That's appreciated. I, said, right? I believe. Highly appreciated. The yeah, highly appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it only takes a second, guys. And we would love for you guys to do that if you can. Uh, rookie quarterback CJ Stroud. He's likely to be starting for them this, you know, in Week One, right? Unfortunately, I don't think Stroud is currently equipped with the weapons he need to have a you know very successful year one i think he he's going to be a good quarterback but i i wouldn't be considering him you know as a fantasy target even in two quarterback leagues like maybe he'll have a floor in as a, as a qb2 um but you know i'm not sure that he'll, he'll be he'll be a target in terms of you know him providing any sort of weekly upside um this backfield consists of damian pierce who did very well as a rookie last year he was a solid rb2 they added Devin Singletary, who I think will be used. I, I think this is going to be a one-two punch. Um, you know, Singletary could see some opportunities on third downs. Uh, you know, he, I think he'll contribute on early downs as well. Uh, but Pierce is currently being taken as the RB21 off the board. I think that's a solid price. I have him ranked as my RB22 going into next season. Um, you know, I'm not going out of my way to draft him, but I think you know, 250 touches or so is in the cards for Damian Pierce still. Um, he'll likely be the goal line guy, but he's also not on a great offense. Right. And that's my primary concern with Damian Pierce. I mean, I originally had Noah Brown as my avoid, but you yelled at me because he's not really fancy relevant at all. And I actually, all. I actually took some flack last yesterday. Was it on our NFC South post? Because I said, don't target the Buccaneers quarterbacks. I just yeah, thought no that was shit. funny. Yeah, no so, shit, Zach. No shit. I'm going Don't to target right Baker that, Mayfield, though. guys. I'm going to be right on that though. But <laughs> maybe I, 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 I would love. I would love now. Now I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield to be this year's Geno Smith. That's what yeah, I'm rooting for now, just you. because yeah. Yeah, you course. said to avoid their quarterbacks. <laughs> That's. I can see it happening. But anyway, how does that tie in here? I've switched my pick from Noah Brown. I'm I'm avoiding Damian Pierce at his price. You know, RB21. I get it. I don't think that's that bad. But I think that's way closer to his ceiling than it is his floor. I mean, you look at – he was a mainstay 
on angry runs last season. You know, Good Morning Football, they do that segment. He had a bunch of good runs. You know, he's awesome shedding tacklers left and right. But his playmaking ability really only comes exclusively in the run game. You know, 30 receptions that he had last season, he posted an abysmal 5.5 yards per reception. That was 49th out of 57 qualifying running backs. Equally discouraging 6.67 yards after the catch per reception. That was 41st. You know, he's not going to be receiving the ball very much at all. I think that C.J. Stroud, he's a rookie. They tend to extend the play. They don't like to go to the outlet guy immediately. It's something they learn over time. He's probably not going to have that many receptions, especially with Devin Singletary there. But, you know, you look at him, he's an early down back. We've seen running backs play well in that role. What's the difference with Pierce? I just mentioned Devin Singletary. Now he's there. He's equally as bad as a pass catching running back as Pierce, but he's still better by some metrics. Uh, his 6.82 yards after the catch per reception and 7.7. Uh, 7.37 yards after uh, per reception, ranked 38th and 25th among those same 57 running backs I mentioned earlier. Um, those numbers compared to the rest of the league are bad, but in the Texas backfield, like I said, that's better than Pierce. So there's a chance we see Singletary on the field and passing downs a little bit too, and that's going to limit Pierce to the early down role. And on a bad offense, you know, I don't really like the early down back at RB20 or RB21. It was RB20 when I wrote this article. Like, I think that there's not much upside to be had there. I think that that price is up towards the higher end of his range of outcomes. It's just too low, his floor, I think, for me to go after him at RB20. Uh, he's one of the shakier investments for me coming out of Houston. Yeah, I think his ceiling is higher than where he's being taken at. I think I, I would say his ceiling is probably a high-end RB2 because he's a good running back. Like He was yeah. one of the most efficient running backs last year. He was seventh in yards at the contact per attempt among all running backs with 200 carries. Seventh in yards after contact per attempt, first in missed tackles, force per attempt. So he's elusive. He's a good running back, and he's going into his second year. Um, and there is a possibility that he creates real distance between him and Devin Singletary. When Singletary signed, I wasn't super, um, you know, I wasn't like, oh man, this really sucks for Damian Pierce. Um, yeah, but I, I still think Singletary is a good enough running back where he could take some work away. You know, a lot of teams don't want to run, you know, a, a one running back into the ground, right? Um, I don't think they'll do that in this case. And I do think Pierce, you know, will get his touches, but I agree. Singletary is going to be involved. I don't see Damian Pierce being on the field and passing downs, although he's a very, very good blocker, right? So yeah. because of the fact that he's a very good pass blocker, you know, we he could surprise there and be on the field, uh, you know, in a role that we didn't think he was going to be in. Um, so, you know, I think his ceiling is a little higher because of the fact that he's a good early down running back. But like you said, you know, the offense itself, you know, could cap him a little bit. Yeah. Now, early down running back on a bad offense just for me doesn't scream fancy production, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I think, you know, low end RB2, I think, you know, I think yeah. he'll hit that pretty, pretty easily. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of ambiguity in the Texans wide receiver room. A lot of people are excited about John Mechie and they're assuming that John Mechie becomes the eventual wide receiver one here. You know, I got the draft capital. I understand. You know, and they're they're expecting him to potentially be that guy this year. And listen, I love the fact that you know he was cleared. You know, he was being he was he was diagnosed with you know a form of leukemia. You know, he had the ACL tear. Just hasn't been the best time for him, right? So I am rooting right. for him. Uh, he's dealing with a hamstring injury right now, by the way. So just keep that in mind. But if I'm picking a, a wide receiver to be the guy this year, it's Nico Collins, not John Mechie, not Robert Woods, not Tank Dell, not Xavier Hutchinson. Mechie wasn't the best prospect coming out, right? Aside right. from the ACL injury, you know, I'm not really talking about that, but he's probably going to be a slot wide receiver at best. You know, he's had some big plays in college. He was a late breakout. 
So that's not great. Um, but Nico Collins, he's shown flashes in the NFL. He's shown some target earning ability last year as well. He had nine full games played, uh, and in four of those games, he had nine or more targets. Um, and I think now he can emerge, at, you know, given the Texans' depth chart, and now he has an accurate quarterback in C.J. Stroud. The quarterback situation last year was absolutely atrocious, right? And everything right. now coming out of OTAs and minicamp is suggesting that Collins is the guy too. So at his ADP, 12th round and underdog, wide receiver 63 off the board, you potentially got yourself a top 36 wide receiver. Right. Or at least a flex play at a solid yeah. discount. You know, he's someone that I'd be targeting at his price. You potentially have a team's wide receiver one, you know, who could take a big jump in target share this year at a pretty low price. Yeah. And Robert Woods is there. Sure. Cool. Whatever. You know, he's getting older. He's I think he's past his prime at this point. And somebody's going to have to come out and be that guy for CJ Stroud. I, I think Nico Collins could be him, you know, because. He's going into his third year. He's a veteran. You know, he knows what he's doing in, in the in the receiver room. There's guys that they obviously added Tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson behind him. But Nico Collins, I agree with the way that he was playing last season with the quarterback play as bad as it was. You know, it can only go up. Assuming CJ Stroud is a clear upgrade over Davis Mills. I think that's going to be the case. So I do like Nico Collins. Do I like him as like, am I like screaming, pounding the table? We need to be drafting this guy. No, but you know, like, He's a good target if you want to get a real value receiver and just hope that maybe something comes of it. Like you said, top 36, absolutely in his range of outcomes, especially if C.J. Stroud is good. They've said C.J. Stroud in camp is ahead of schedule with his development, which is awesome. If he plays well, you know, I think wide receiver 36 might be the floor because he's going to have to throw the ball to somebody. I don't think this Texans offense is going to be anywhere near as bad as it was last season, but it's still not going to be that good. That's kind of the balance we're striking right here. But Nico Collins... He had a solid flex. I think he was a solid flex play, you know, last season, even with the quarterback situation, what it was. If it can only go up from there, which I think is the case, you know, you're looking at a really good value here in Nico Collins. So I agree. Absolutely. Am I going out of my way to target him? No, but you can take a swing at him in those late rounds and be happy with it. Like he's not what are you making... one on any other team, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I get that. What are you making of Dalton Schultz? I, I think a lot of what he did in Dallas, you know, was a product of Dak and, and the offense. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you can't deny his target earning ability there. He was never overly efficient, though. And that's yeah. my concern, right? If he ends up running a route on like 70 for, 75% of dropbacks, like then I think we should be in on him as a tight end one, maybe a low end mm -hmm. tight end one. Not sure he's a difference maker at the position. Yeah. So that's <laughs> kind of why I'm leaning to not grabbing him at his price. You know, whether I grab a late round tight end, whenever I grab a late round tight end, I need that upside of them potentially being top five. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just don't know if Dalton Schultz is that guy. Now, Brevin Jordan's there. You know, does he take away from him in terms of routes run going into his third year? Maybe not. Um, but the fact that this is a depleted wide receiver core also, that's a positive for Schultz, right? Like he he's that's 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 a pro for the yep. case being made for Dalton Schultz. It might be him and Nico, you know, as the clear one-two right now. And, and you talk about the competition not being that tight. Dalton Schultz, I mean, Dak Prescott, you know, was kind of making Dalton Schultz's value. But I will say this. Dalton Schultz did earn targets with stiff competition, you know, around him since he's joined the league and since he was in the league since I think it was 2019. But anyway, he comes in and he puts up these numbers and 
he was earning targets. He has at least 85 targets in each of the past three seasons. And let's just put this into context here, who he was competing with for targets. In 2021, in 2020, it was CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. 2021, it was CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper again. And then CeeDee Lamb earned 148 targets last year. And he still put up, I think it was 100 targets. Dalton Schultz. So yeah. let's not get it twisted. You know, I think he's going to be earning his targets. Like you said, that's a much less competitive environment than we earning targets in. You have Nico Collins and that's about it. John Mechie, maybe, you know, like you said, it's a good story. Hopefully he plays well. But I think you look at it this way, especially with a rookie quarterback. And it goes back to what I was saying about Adam Thielen um, with uh, with Bryce Young. You know, they're going to need somebody to lean on in the early game while the rest of the receivers get up to NFL speed. I think Dalton Schultz can be that guy. He was he was a security blanket for Dak Prescott. I think he could do the same thing for C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has also been compared to Dak Prescott. So I think that also is worth something. But. Tight end 13 off the board. I think that he's going to be just fine. I, I like that price for him. I think he could finish higher than that, especially if CJ Stroud is good. You know, he's going to be earning the targets. He's not going to have tremendous, tremendous upside. I don't think he's going to have much of a top four or five upside on, on a weekly basis, but I think he's going to be right in that mid tight end one um, conversation every single week because who else is CJ Stroud going to throw to if they're going to be double covering even maybe Nico Collins? It's just that's the way I look at it. It's a volume play. I don't think it's that bad, but the tight end landscape, the way it is, can't really go wrong. And if CJ Stroud's good, I think Dalton Schultz can be a nice little outlet guy for him. And in PPR, he's going to have some really good value. I think he's definitely on the list of a lot of people in terms of if they're late round tight end guy, they're going to take him pretty easily, I would say. Yeah. Let's talk Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson, the likely starter. He is sharing first team reps right now in OTAs with Gardner Minshew. You know, my guess is that Richardson will be the week one starter. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but. <laughs> He definitely has top six, top seven QB one upside, right? He's being drafted as a QB 10. Uh, I still think it's a little risky there. There's definitely a world where he falls out of the QB one conversation. If he struggles in the past game, yep. I do have him outside my top 12. He's being drafted as a QB 10, but I have, met, I have him outside the top 12. By the way, my rankings are on patreon.com slash upperhand fantasy dynasty. redraft all of it. But the good thing about his situation man like he has a great situation he has awesome. a true number yeah. one in michael Pittman. they just drafted a very good slot wide receiver in josh downs they have an underrated field stretcher in alec pierce uh you know and and one thing richardson is good at is creating big plays downfield and he has Pittman and pierce to help make that happen he has jonathan taylor he has shane steichen bringing over his offensive philosophy from philly you can't ask for a better supporting cast, right? So right. the rushing ability, the offensive environment, his goal line prowess, like all that, like he's set up for success. Does it all come together right away in his rookie year? Remains to be seen. But if you're shooting for upside in the ninth round, I think he's a solid pick there. Like I actually don't have him in my top 12. Like I want to move him up, but there are a yep. couple of guys. I'm just like, you know, like they have better, high, you know, I think they have a little bit of a safer floor than him. You know, we saw Justin Fields' rookie year where he struggled in the pass game, and even though he had the rushing ability, he didn't necessarily come through for fantasy. Right. I think this is a little bit of a different situation, though, from Justin Fields. You know what I'm saying? I think the situation is definitely way better than what Justin Fields had in his rookie year. Anthony Richardson is also just an alien. I think, you know, we knew Justin Fields could run, but Anthony Richardson is just, like we said, we've never seen really anything like him come out of the combine and enter the league. So this is uncharted territory, but I'm going to use one of your sayings, you know, when I talk about Anthony Richardson, it's no risk it, no biscuit. You know what I'm saying? 
we understand that there's risk associated with Anthony Richardson, but that upside is just like glowing. You know, how do you not reach for that? And I'm targeting him at the price that he's at right now. He's a boom bust QB one. That's exactly what he is. And that's what he's going to be the entire season until we see differently. But he's Cam Newton-esque in his frame. Speed reminiscent of Lamar Jackson. Like, you can't go wrong. This guy is an athlete. I think he has the ability to produce. Shane Steichen, like you said, is his offensive, is his head coach now. And that's the same guy that helped make Jalen Hurts the high-end fantasy quarterback that he is today. So that's a good thing for him. He's going to be playing in that type of system. His 7.4 yards per attempt was tied for fourth highest in the NCAA last year among um, QBs. And as long as he fends off Gardner Minshew and Sam Ellinger, which I don't think is going to be a problem for him, I think he has an absolute shot to finish well inside the top 10, like you said, QB 6-7. This is probably going to be a developed developmental year for him i don't think the colts are gonna be pulling him at any point unless things are like really bad but you know he's definitely going to be starting qb1 in week one he's going to be the qb1 in week one 100 that's not even a question for me i think he's going to play i think he's going to be able to run that's going to be where most of his fantasy production is going to come from i think he can do better in the passing game than a lot of people think you know everyone's saying like he's raw coming out of the combine that kind of thing but with a good coach like shane steichen I'm cool with it. I'm going to let that go and just give him the benefit of the doubt here. I'm taking shots on him if I can, especially if he slides past his ADP. If he goes like QB 12, 13, I think there's plenty of value to be had there. Yeah, I I, I actually agree with you. I think you make some some great points. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with, especially in a one quarterback league, there's nothing wrong with grabbing Richardson. They're just grabbing another solid quarterback later. Like grab Richardson, then grab the QB 15, 16 off the board. You'll be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if Richardson busts, you still have someone that you can start every single week, you know, a few rounds later. So I think that would be the strategy for me. Like, I probably won't draft Richardson and then wait until my QB 20, 21, 22 off the board, right? I'll probably end up taking Richardson, then maybe maybe three, four rounds later, grab another quarterback. That's kind of how I would do it if I'm I'm grabbing Richardson. What would you think of a roster built? Like, say you take one of the premium quarterbacks early and like a two QB? Say you go for like a Jalen Hurts or a Lamar Jackson or even Patrick Mahomes, something like that. And then you turn around a couple of rounds later and you take a guy like Anthony Richardson. Like, would you like that's pretty high upside right there. I mean, it's chasing it, it a bit. It, it, it is. Risk, but the problem, but, is, but the, the thing there is that if I'm in a one quarterback league, like I don't want to spend a, a, my round nine pick on someone who, who I can't start. Well, yeah, definitely. sure. You could, but you, I, you I was talking to you could trade him. Yeah. Oh, two quarterback? Yeah, two QB. Like, what do you think of that? Well, you start, take a premium quarterback, I, and then you shoot the moon with Anthony Richardson. Like, that's pretty mm, tasty, if you ask me. You know, I kind of like that. Like, that's that's a. I think that's a pretty risky way to play. It's but risky. At the end of the yeah. day, it's it's the upside is huge, right? Yeah. I um, mean, Anthony Richardson has more upside than guys going his range like Kirk Cousins for sure. Geno Smith, yeah. Dude, like the, the upside yeah. is he has up, he has more upside than some of the quarterbacks being taken uh, before him. Right, like he has more upside than Trevor Lawrence. He has more upside mm-hmm. than Deshaun Watson. You know what I'm saying? He's being taken right right before Tua, Dak, Kirk, of course. So what I would do is, if I'm taking Richardson as my QB one in one quarterback leagues, um, I would draft Geno Smith, or I would draft Jared Goff or Russell Wilson. Um, Jared you know, Goff several is rounds, a really good one. Several rounds later, um, so I can have my safe quarterback if Anthony Richardson doesn't work out. That's kind of right. how I would. I, I never like rostering. Um, two quarterbacks in a single quarterback league. But in this scenario, it's definitely worth it because of the upside that he presents for sure. Right. Um, I'm a little worried about Jonathan Taylor this year. He's being Same. drafted as the overall 
RB4 off the board in the first round. Uh, I have him quite lower in my rankings, and this has nothing to do with last year, nothing to do mm-hmm. with the injuries, nothing to do with the disappointing season. It has to do with his situation this year. Number one, goal line carries. Anthony Richardson is going to take away opportunities there. C64, 244, it's going to happen. Number yep. two, we know that rushing quarterbacks don't check in down anywhere as often as pocket quarterbacks. They tend to tuck the ball and run before they decide to chuck it down. So that target share is likely not going to be there for him. And if I'm drafting him in the first round, I need my running back to get targets. Like, unless you're prime Derrick Henry, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, now, if Jonathan Taylor was like an elite pass catcher, like, you know, he was a DeAndre Swift or a Camaro or an Eckler, I wouldn't be as worried because those guys have proven to be target earners and the game plan is revolved around them getting the ball in the receiving game. Taylor, he has yet to do that in his three-year career. Um, now, I think Anthony Richardson being there means that JT, they're going to focus on JT, I think, in the run game. This is going to be a run-heavy offense. So that's good for JT. Yep. Uh, the, running, the running lanes are going to open up because of JT, uh, because of Richardson for JT, right? Um, and they're going to depend on JT more because of a developmental rookie quarterback, right? But the targets and the touchdowns is really what matters most for fantasy. So at his price, I just can't do it. Yeah, that's my biggest gripe with Jonathan Taylor, too. And for all the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, RB4 overall, there are guys going after him. Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, yeah. Derrick Henry. Yeah. I still don't know what Josh Jacobs is doing all the way down there at RB9. Like, it makes yeah. no sense. It's cool. But I look at those guys, like, the value you're going to get is going to be comparable or even better, I think. They mm-hmm. present less risk, all of them, except maybe Derrick Henry. We're still waiting for him to fall off the cliff. We don't know when that cliff is coming, but it's coming. Um, so he might be a little bit more risky. But a guy like Tony Pollard, like, a couple picks later, even, like, a whole round later, like, I'm totally going for him over Jonathan Taylor. That's my main gripe. Yeah. And I agree with you. Anthony Richardson. It's a give and take because, like you said, if there's a read option and you have to pick between Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson, that's going to be great for them. You know, they're going to have that production. They're going to keep defenses guessing. But at the same time, if Anthony Richardson doesn't get his feet underneath underneath him for a few weeks, this could be a slow-moving offense. And, you know, just because they hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor 20 times a game doesn't mean he's going to be doing a whole lot with it if this offense is stuck in a funk, you know, which it very well could be. So unless – um Jonathan Taylor can really just like put the offense on his back. I don't think he's going to have an RB4 type season, especially with the guys that are in the league. Like I said, it's not so much a problem with Jonathan Taylor. Last season was obviously an outlier. He was injured. I think he came back a little too early, but it's just his price right now is not reflecting the risk that he presents, especially with the guys going around him. Now, I think Michael Pittman can come through on his ADP uh, as a wide receiver 30 off the board. That's kind of low. I do yeah. have him ranked around around there, but I'm not overly targeting him. Like He is the clear guy there, right? He should get the target share. The question is how run-heavy are the Colts going to be overall, uh, whether that affects like the raw target number that Pittman gets this year. That's my real concern with him. Um, I'm not sure his ceiling is as high. One good thing will be Richardson likely taking a lot more downfield shots, right? Matt yep. Ryan didn't do that. And, uh, you know, Pittman's reception total last year was high, but his yardage was super low. I think that increases a bit. I think his yards per reception, I think his A dot, all that increases this year uh, because of the type of quarterback that he has now. Are you looking at Pittman at all? Are you okay with his price? Are you targeting him? I'm okay with the price. And that's like 
the end of it right there. And I'm not, I'm not jumping for joy at the price, but I'm not like screaming upset about the price either. I think this is perfectly fine where he should be. And like you said, I look at Matt Ryan, the way he played last season. It's like, I think Anthony Richardson is baseline that, you know, I think, I don't think he's going to be that bad. If, if he's not as consistent, he's going to be more dynamic. You know what I mean? There's going to be more opportunities for big plays with Anthony Richardson. I'll take that every day with Michael Pittman. I think he'll have, a better you know season overall it might not be a consistent one because it's a rookie quarterback but this guy has a monster arm and anthony richardson so like michael Pittman, let's just put it this way he might not have a fantastic finish overall on the season but he's going to have weeks where he just pops off because anthony richardson is going to have those games where he just looks promising you know everything's starting to come together i think we're looking at some high week to week upside but also some high week to week variability um it makes him boom bust and it's funny calling him boom bust at wide receiver 30 you can't really go wrong there especially if you're drafting him as like wide receiver two three flex wide receiver three flex would be ideal but as a wide receiver two i don't know if i trust it with anthony richard anthony richardson at quarterback so i would take him michael Pittman, as my wide receiver three and maybe a flex outside of that i'm not really you know taking the bait on him yeah i get that i don't think i'm targeting the other wide receivers right now like i like their talent but if mm-hmm. this is going to be a run-heavy offense, like, do we want to care about these other wide receivers besides the clear alpha wide receiver one? I don't think so. No. I just don't. Um, I also think that Jelani Woods is an interesting late-round tight end. Uh, he's going undrafted right now. Among all tight ends with 30-plus targets last year, he was 12th in yards per round run at the position, and now he's going into his second year. We're going to talk about Chig Okonkwo and his price in a little bit when we talk Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's being taken as a tight end one already. So if you want like discount Chig Okonkwo, I think Johnny Woods might be that guy because um, Okonkwo is already being drafted as a tight end one. Um, Woods had an eight catch, 98 yard game uh, in a tight end rotation last year. Um, and it's possible that rotation ends up going away. And then Jelani is the guy now, uh, now that Frank Reich is gone, right? Like we, right. As, Frank Reich has been, you know, absolutely destroying this tight end room in terms of like this rotation. Hopefully that goes away. Now Jelani yeah. is dealing with the hamstring injury right now, uh, but hopefully he'll be okay for training camp. Jelani Woods is also a absolute freak of a human being. I mean, he's six seven. He's just this humongous guy. And when you saw him play in that eight catch ninety eight yard game, you know, he didn't look like he should be playing behind guys like Kylan Granson or Mo Ali Cox. So I think that's a good call on Jelani Woods. Don't Go drafting him now because we said this as your tight end one and think you're set. We're done. We're good. Target somebody else. But he's not, there's nothing wrong with taking him, him as a bench stash because he could ascend this season. Um, I think that his ability to ascend will have a lot to do with the way that Anthony Richardson plays, and we won't know his true upside until two or three weeks into the season. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 